0: You are listening to the Brentwood Baptist Church Life Group Leader Podcast, a resource to equip and encourage group leaders on their journey toward being disciples and making disciples
1: through life groups. Here are your hosts, Jay Fennell and Paul Wilkinson. Hey, Life Group Leaders. Uh, We're coming to you here from a transferred studio instead of Jay's office. We're in the Discipleship Conference Room. We're here with Dr. Steve Layton, the Discipleship Minister for Brentwood Baptist Church. And we want to talk about Chapter 4, Spiritual Leadership, Staying Connected with Jesus. Um, I'm sure Steve will elaborate more on this later, but wrote his dissertation on prayer for his doctoral studies. A big influence on me when it comes to personal soul care and teaching out of overflow and leading out of the overflow. So it's going to be a great interview today, and I know uh, Steve has a lot to share. So thank you for
2: coming on the podcast, Steve. Hey, thanks, Paul. I'm excited to be here and... uh Talk about one of my favorite uh, subjects, the soul care of leaders and staying connected with God. And I appreciate you two guys and the work that you're doing to equip our live creep leaders here at Brentwood uh, through these podcasts. Yeah, I forgot to mention that Jay has snuck his way into the room. So he's
1: he's over there in the corner, but he'll be piping in later. So, Steve, uh, what is
2: soul care? How do you understand it? For me, when I think of soul care, I literally think he, think about taking care of the very heart of who we are. And for me, it's entering into the holy ground with God and allowing him to fill our hearts and spending time with him. And by doing that, by taking care of our soul through spiritual disciplines, through spiritual practices, by prayer and Bible study, what we're doing is we're able then to lead and minister out of the overflow of who we really are and out of the overflow of our relation with Christ, which that's what soul care. That's why it's so important, but it's, it's spending time with God in such a way that allows us to be the very best version of us. And as we give our life away and disciple and teach others. Steve, um, Hey, great to have you today. Hey, thanks, Jay. <laughs> I
0: just wanted to add that too. Obviously Steve is my boss. So, uh, anyway, um, Steve, as it relates to life group leaders, uh, obviously we uh, we hold our life group leaders up as men and women who are called by God to teach the Word of God, to model what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, and and so there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot of uh, responsibility that goes into being a life group leader. How does Soul Care play a role in there, and why should it matter for a life group leader to to really stay focused
2: on taking care
0: of their own souls?
2: I honestly believe soul care matters because the most important thing that we do in our life is really not the things that we do, but it's really becoming who we're becoming in Jesus Christ. So when we take care of our soul, it allows us to be the person that Christ called us to be. And I believe for life group leaders, They're modeling for their learners what it really means to walk the walk, to be a true, authentic uh, follower of Christ. And so many times I think life group leaders stand up and we teach well. But I think what our people are desiring to see is people who live the gospel well. So when we practice good soul care before our people, then it helps them to see Jesus in us. And all of a sudden it makes the gospel more accessible to them.
1: So you've used the term discipline a few times. Uh, I know with certain demographics, that's going to have a negative connotation. It sounds a lot like legalism. Uh, Maybe sounds a lot like, uh, you know, a routine and a task. So how do you
2: understand the word discipline? Because I know you don't you don't function that way. Uh, not at all. As a matter of fact, discipline actually makes me think about bondage and makes me think about what my mom used to do to me when I didn't do the right things. For me, that'd be another podcast. Another it will time. be. That's right. Maybe not on this channel, by the way. <laughs> but when I think about spiritual disciplines, sometimes I interchange the words disciplines and habits. And so, when I think of disciplines, I'm thinking about disciplined to be practiced the habits that lead to godliness or to Christ-likeness. So when you think about spiritual disciplines, it means am I willing to practice the things in my life, the things that fuel my soul, the things that help me to connect with God in such a way that those things become habits for me and they become life-giving to me and they bring godliness. They help me be more like Jesus. And then again, as I become more like him, and it allows me then to model that, to teach that, and to live that out before the people that God uh, entrusts to our care. Yeah.
0: So when it comes to um, some of your mentors that you have perhaps um, you know, learn from or sat under in your life, either in ministry or just in, in just as a follower of Jesus. Um, who were who, who are some of those people that uh, that you can remember? And is is that important for us as Christ followers to maybe identify some of those people in our lives that could um, really encourage us and strengthen us and maybe challenge us to go deeper in the disciplines?
2: Absolutely, and and you know when I think about. Mentors, guys, I honestly think about those that are living mentors, those people that I either currently have relationships with that help me be, uh, a, a better me and be, continue to grow in my walk. But I also think about those mentors in my life who I've studied through the things they've written or the books I've read, uh, the, the stories that I've heard. So when I start looking at specific examples of mentors, uh, I think about truthfully, uh, the people that mentored me were literally my mom and my grandmother. So that Lois and Eunice story for me is very real. My mom walked the walk and she, y'all, y'all have heard me tell the story. I mean, literally from the time I was two weeks old until the time I was eight years we had perfect attendance in Sunday school. My mom valued the church and the discipline of gathering together with the believers and hearing the word proclaimed and being in a life group. So my mom, my grandmother, as y'all know, I've shared how she was Pentecostal and boy, she believed in a spirit-filled life and she believed in the power of prayer and uh, there was a lady at one of the churches that I served. Uh, her name was Eugenia Maddox. And she came in. And when I was just a young pastor, she said, uh, Pastor Steve, can I come and pray over you every week before you preach? And Eugenia literally came to my office at nine o'clock on Thursday mornings back at a former church. And I would sit in a chair and she would stand behind me with her hands on my head and she would pray over me. And she would pray sometimes, literally, it it got to where she was praying nearly an hour. And I had to say, Eugenia, I think God can hear what you got to say in 30 minutes. But, you know, we laugh about that. But she prayed over me. I think about guys like Henry Willis, who was a Christian layman for the Russell Corporation. And Mr. Willis was had the gift of and the discipline of generosity. And there were times in my life, raising a young family, where finances were really tight. And Henry taught me what it means to be generous with our time and our money to help other preachers. So sometimes it's preachers, sometimes and oftentimes it's laymen. Oftentimes it's parents that are our mentors. I've had preachers and, and theologians and teachers. But as I thought about this question, it's the people who live authentic lives before people. And they are generally cared about me to invest in me and my soul. And in turn, then, that helps me, I hope, to invest in you guys and other life group leaders.
1: Yeah, we're starting to draw that connection. I think I heard it a couple of times from you, that these spiritual habits, as we invest in them and are conformed, transformed, and formed into the image of Christ, that we live more authentic kingdom lives and more genuine Christian faith in front of our leaders. And in that way, um, they're certainly getting what we teach them, sort of the, um sit and get model mm-hmm. but in the way we live they're also catching they're catching our life
2: as we're living in front of them well when you think about jesus paul and i i thought about that and i was just was thinking about this lesson earlier and i thought jesus prayed jesus had close friends jesus went to worship in the synagogue jesus you know uh, fed his mind through scripture jesus engaged creation Jesus took long walks by himself and practiced silence and solitude. Jesus even hung out with the non-religious type folks, you know? So when you think about it, Jesus modeled this lifestyle for us. And it's this lifestyle that needs to be life giving. And I think that's for me, what I really hope people think. I think that it's hard to be a life group leader, guys. Life piles in on us, family piles in on us, you know, life just happens and it's tough. And, what soul care and spiritual practices and discipline does for us is allows us to be refreshed and to be joyous in the way that we teach. And the joy of the Lord our strength. And so these things give us strength and help us to bring joy to our people. And that brings, again, an authentic person uh, so that the gospel can be caught uh, and modeled before them.
1: And I really love how the scripture likes to say as was his habit as Jesus mm-hmm. going to the synagogue to teach or whatever the case may be. So out of that list you gave of what Jesus did um, in our chapter prayer and Bible reading are elevated, but off of that list, what are some of the the few disciplines in there that really speak to you or
2: nourish you? Yeah, to me, uh the discipline that resonates with my soul is actually the habit and discipline of prayer. And, um, uh, It's spending time with God. I mean, guys, I'm overwhelmed to think that creator God, God Almighty, who created this world, who created us, who sent his one and only son to die so that I could have eternal life. It overwhelms me to think that he invites us into the very throne room to have a conversation with him and to talk to him. And, and throughout my life, prayer's been a natural habit. And yet, truthfully, guys, I, so many people I know struggle with the discipline of prayer and as i've ministered to men and they feel like it it's it's not real and it's not vibrant for me prayer is man it's as real as us sitting here talking today and looking you in in the face and to be able to go to god and to be able to talk with him i think the second thing for me obviously it's pointed out in the book bible study but when i pray i talk to god but oftentimes when I study God's Word, God speaks to me, and so it keeps that, if you will, vertical alignment in line between me and Christ. And so that's the reason why those two are coupled. I think the third one for me is one that that you're connected with strong too, Jay, and that's just relationship with the saints. I mean, hanging out with brothers and sisters, and we often don't think about that as a spiritual discipline, but being able to not hold each other accountable in a bad way, but as the gospel says, to encourage one another on in the faith. So those are the things that really fuel my soul. I mean, I love being with you guys and with our life group leaders. I love spending time in God's word. And I really, really love just that quiet time where God and I can have long talks and conversation.
0: Yeah. Something I was just thinking about hearing you talk, you know, there there are oftentimes in our life, uh, as a follower of Christ, or even as a leader, that when we spend time in prayer—and I don't know, Steve, maybe you can speak of this from your own perspective uh, and your own experience—and um, this isn't, you know, one of our, sure. So this is off the cuff here, um, where prayer becomes difficult, you know, and perhaps the the closeness to God in prayer that you had at one time wasn't there, and I can imagine that some of our leaders that are listening are either in that spot now or they have been or they will be, yeah. you know? So in your own personal experience, what have you learned? I'm sure that perhaps you've gone through some moments like that where you've, you've struggled in prayer. And, you know, I know prayer, you've said this to me, and I've learned a lot from you about prayer. Um, that's one of the disciplines that you enjoy the most. You really connect with God in prayer. Um, what would you say to someone like that? to one of our life group leaders who might be listening that might be struggling a little bit with connecting with God in prayer and just having that discipline to stick with it, even when the feelings necessarily aren't there.
2: Yeah, it make makes sense? a lot of sense, Jay. Here's the thing that come to my mind first. And when I think about that, I think that so many times it's the fact that we don't trust God. In other words, I talk to men about prayer and men will not believe that God really hears them. And so it feels empty to them. They've not seen evidence of that in people's lives. So it's like I learn a concept, but I really don't see it in practice. That's one reason people struggle with it. A lot of times just being transparent It has to do with sin in people's life. In other words, people move away from God. They create sin. They fall out of fellowship with God or or their brothers and sister. And once that happens, then all of a sudden, you know, it's like that child who's been disobedient who comes to daddy and all of a sudden wants to borrow the car or ask for something, and they don't feel worthy to do that. I think that's a third one is our identity in Christ, is we don't really believe that who we are, who Jesus says we are, we don't really believe that, that we are adopted children of the King. So if we can come before him, even if we are out of fellowship or disobedient, sometimes you just have to go back to dad, a father, and say, dad, I'll, I'll need that relationship restored for me. I think the fourth thing for me, just off the cuff again, is I think we live incredibly hurried and busy lives. And there's a difference between busyness and hurried, but I think we cram so much in. That Christ and our prayer life is often the last thing instead of the first thing. I mean, I remember when I first met you and, and, you know, we were just kind of talking off the cuff. talking to Jay there. Yeah. Talking to Jay. But I remember Jay, the first time I met you and we were talking about how you shared with me back in Carolina, your habit of getting to the church early before anyone got there and you would sit in the car. And you would spend time in prayer and talking with God's Word, and and that's the kind of discipline that we have to have. And uh, tell tell the folks about that. That was a really enriching time for you. Uh, it was well, yeah. Thank you.
0: It was, um, you know, at the time we had small small children, um, and so getting up early uh, to spend time with the Lord was almost impossible. And then by the time you get home at night, just with the kids and you know, bath time and and, and dinner and and all the other things that go on with it and uh, just made it difficult to, to really spend that time. And I was just really tired at the end of the day. So I just began to uh, really kind of try to carve out some time. Where, where in the day could I could I have some margin where I can truly focus on the Lord? And I discovered that uh, I could maybe cut away after the kids went to school or went to preschool, that I could uh, get to the parking lot about 30, 45 minutes before I was technically time to go into the office. And so I'd sit in the parking lot in my car and just pray and read the Bible and, and have a devotion there. A habit, actually, that I still do uh, on occasion. I don't have to do it as much now because I have a little more margin to, to do it uh, because life is just different for me. But it's I think it's just trying to, to find those moments during the day. Because you're right, we all live hurried and busy lives, over-calendared and all the things we've got going on. But, man, I, for me, at least uh, personally, that was a game-changer for me just in my personal life and my professional life as a minister of the gospel and all those things was just really key to my growth. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I, I took that to heart and I said, you know what? I want to connect with the Lord. I want to bear fruit. I want to feel close to God. I want to grow. And, um, and I knew that the disciplines were had to be a part of that, of that uh, equation.
2: But what you're talking about is taking that time, that quiet time in the car and to listen to this gospel meta narrative, if you will, or this long read. So I used to would drive from Birmingham to New Orleans and I would be listening to the gospel of Matthew or the gospel of John, or I would be listening to Acts or one of the little epistles. And you talk about something that was refreshing and different because we don't take the long view. We don't have the time to do that. Even some of the habits, like you're talking about Jay in the car, write scripture on your a three by five and put it up on your dashboard. You know, do things like that to allow. So again, it's that flexibility to find out what is it that that helps you become more like Christ.
0: Yeah. So, so here's, an, here's another good, here's another good question:
2: Should we feel guilty if we miss a day? Absolutely not. And if we had a lot of time to talk in this podcast. I would definitely say that because I think that people do feel guilty because what happens is, is it becomes the discipline that Paul's talking about instead of it becoming the habit that refreshes our soul. Soul care has got to be a wellspring of life in our lives. It's got to refuel us. So what happens is, is we tend to feel guilty. Well, whoops, life happened today. I didn't I didn't pray. I didn't open God's word. And so all of a sudden, then we feel guilty about going back the next day. It's like, oh, I disappointed dad or I disappointed Jay and Paul. And the reality of that is, is, is that there is no scorecard on spiritual discipline. Spiritual discipline, I, I, maybe that's too broad of a statement, but it's not like God goes, whoop, Jay missed it today. Paul missed it today. Steve missed it today. What I find is, is that it's not that I didn't do it today that brings guilt for me is the fact that I missed the opportunity. Today, the, the father was standing there waiting to, for me, and I missed it. Did that create guilt for me? It's just like, oh, man, it was a great opportunity for me today to be with the father. But absolutely, I think that the guilt of missing a day or the guilt of not having a good habit, I think we beat ourselves up over that. And if we could free our people up as leaders and help them understand, guys, it's a journey and there are good days and there are hard days. And, and if we could free ourselves up to say, man, we are doing the very best we can, then in essence, we want to do more because we understand that the, the outcome of that is Christ likeness. The outcome of that is multiplying the kingdom. The outcome of that is being a disciple who in turn can make disciples.
0: Prayer didn't have to happen just in the morning, in your in your lazy boy chair, right? That's right. It could happen throughout the day on the way to work, um, right before you go into a meeting. It could just be, Lord, help me to focus on just see Your hand at work today, and to kind of keep that going on and on. But then, as we were talking about Bible intake too, right? Just right. moments of you know memorizing some scripture, putting some scripture on your computer screen, or listening to it in the car. Getting it on your Bible app, you know, on the on the Bible app, um, the was what the what's the Bible app, Paul? Anyway, I've got it on my phone. It's a it's an app, but you, there's actually a, I
2: just wish folks could see you yeah. trying to snap I, I, your, as you're I, pressing. Yeah. You, you don't have your phone in your hand, but you're mimicking <laughs> it right? It's radio. That's right.
0: Uh, but on that app, you can actually there's an audio version where it'll yes. it'll play it'll play it in the audio ver- I mean, you, version, right? you version. That's what it is. I think yes, think awesome.
2: And, and you know, you talk about just an ongoing, I think we talk about getting up and having that lazy boy time and quiet time in our prayer closet. You know when one, one of the most important times of prayer is? Literally, it's the end of the day. And guys, y'all know how it is. I mean, ministry's hard work throughout the days. And yet, we get home and we're about to walk into the house, right? So your wives are there and your kids are you, there.
0: You take a deep breath.
2: Not just a deep P- prayer, a prayer of mercy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Sometimes it's that stopping before I ever hit the button yeah. and saying, God, it's been tough today and I'm about to walk into this house and I want to be the best me that I can be. That's taking care of your soul. It's not mm-hmm. walking in and not, and just dumping everything on your kids and your, your wife, the people that you love. Sometimes it's literally just taking that time to take care of your soul. So you say, God, okay been a tough day today. I need you to forgive me for this or or just help me get past it so that I can be present where I am. And so that's the type freedom that we need to find. And and as leaders of life groups, even before we walk in to our life group classes. I mean, you know it's early in the morning, the kids Sunday morning or we're going to our home and our kids are worn out and, you know, it's been tough getting out the door. You know how that story goes. Yeah. And sometimes just spending time before we actually walk in that life. Root,
0: root. Yeah. And, and for me personally, as I think about what you just said, I'm much more sensitive to those moments yep. where I do stop when I've been spending time with God and his spirit. and I And I have the ears to hear his spirit nudge me to say, stop, slow down, keep the work at work. And be with your family. Be be present with them, emotionally engaged. Right. Because you
2: tend to, not you, but we tend to think about leadership as what happens at the front of the room behind the podium, right? Right. Or what happens in the chair at the front of the circle. But the reality of it is leadership happens when we walk through the doors to our house as we lead our families well, as we lead our children well, as we love our neighbors well all of that spiritual leadership. And that's what this volume's trying to capture. It's helping us understand a more holistic approach to leadership in Christ-likeness. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, and you, when you think about life group leaders, I think about in preparation for the teaching event, whether that happens on campus or off campus th- on Sunday or throughout the week, and I think about where do we spend our time. And most of the preparation I would assume out of most life group leaders is probably spent in studying the lesson, if you will, preparing to teach, making sure that we have our talking points down. What if we actually spent time with a father? And our lives were so rich that we taught from the overflow of our time with Christ. And we prayed, and I know many life group leaders that do, but we spend equal amounts of time in prayer saying, Father, these are the people you've entrusted to our care. You know who's going to be in that room Sunday. You know what they need. And how do we take the content of this lesson and of this scripture and help it collide and intersect with the life that's happening in the room and instead of just teaching the lesson all of a sudden bible study and prayer for the leader becomes that vehicle which helps us be in communion and be able to reach real needs in that classroom
0: and we talk about that all the time around here don't we absolutely and that's so that's so key in fact it's so so much a part of our culture at least in our staff culture here at the church that I don't know if you know this or not as a life group leader, but our staff, ministerial staff is required to take a spiritual retreat day once a month. And we're held accountable to that in our review sessions and our one-on-ones with our supervisors, because it's so crucial to our jobs. Um, Pastor Mike says all the time that uh, leaders, ministers don't explode. They implode when the pressure on the outside is greater than the pressure on the inside for pushing against it. Then, um, then we just kind of we kind of uh, turn inward, don't we, and implode. So it's just so crucial for us to stay built up and established in our in our walk with Christ to take on the things that go on in the world and uh, to be
1: the most effective we can be for the Lord. So that's why we encourage you guys to take sabbaticals uh, at times. And I mean, we prefer you're raising up your own apprentice and let them teach for two weeks as you take some time to refresh and rejuvenate. Uh, but we also have subs that that we run in for you. Uh, but the idea of removing yourself from the daily routine for the sake of intentional, um, elevated emphasis on the things of God through the disciplines is unparalleled in compelling you to the work that you've been called to do.
2: And even thinking about that, I was thinking, so my Soul Care Day was this past week, right? And so this past week, someone said, well, what did you do? How What did that look like for you? So the morning started out in uh, some quiet conversation and prayer with Christ, and that was done at home and, and at the quietest as I prepared for the morning, kind of asking God to prepare me for the day. Ended up out at Radnor Lake and took a long walk, just enjoying nature and beauty, silence and solitude, thinking about the people that God's entrusted in my care, thinking about who I am in Jesus, thinking about what is God's purpose for my life at this stage of my life, thinking about how I can lead well and love others well. So it was a long conversation with Christ down there. Lunch with a friend. And at that friend, it was kind of talking about what God's doing in their life and what God's doing in our life. And so time with family. And then I wrapped up back out at Ragnar Lake again. It was just so refreshing to spend some time with God, literally just another short walk with God in prayer. And at that point, just it really that second little time I ended up out there, uh, it was just just a, a fresh time. Of enjoying God and just thank more thanksgiving and praise, thinking about who He is. So it it was involved in, uh, you know, in a little bit. That evening, I had a little bit of time left, and uh, we took a break and spent some time with the family. That evening, I did spend a little bit of extra time in the Word, and uh, and it was actually in thinking about this very subject. And the time that we're going to do there, what are we going to say when we start talking about what does soul care look like? So, you know, it varies. Sometimes it's literally go down to Scarrett Bennett and spend some time. Sometimes it's over at the library. But I think the thing that I would hope life group leaders would like, it's about being intentional and about blocking some time.
0: Steve, talk to us a little bit about just you personally in your own time. Um, and I'm just curious and I'm sure that our that some of our life group leaders who are listening are curious. What does it look like when you have your quiet time with God, your devotion time and, you know, your prayer and your Bible study on a daily basis?
2: Yeah. So currently, truthfully, my quiet time with God is best in the morning. And I know we talk about that, you know, giving God the first fruits, if you will, of the morning. So for me, first thing up, grab a cup of coffee in the quiet of the morning, spend some time in conversation with God. Oftentimes those are open Bible and it's more of a devotional time at that time. So uh, often I'll use the journey on today Uh, devotional. So that little out gets me started, and it gets me thinking. And so I use that as a systematic plan. So when I think about these quiet times, I'm one that kind of is okay with it being devotional or it being critical study. So for me, I know that in seminary, they drew hard lines, but my personal Bible study may be devotionally where I'm thinking about God, how are you helping me? So each morning, I'm going to spend some time in his word. I'm going to be thinking about it first from a refreshment time, probably as more time in prayer than actually reflection in scripture, because that's just, that's how God wired me. That's what's normal for me. And then throughout the day, it's not every day, but throughout the day, I like to have intent times or focused times. And these times might be anywhere from uh, an hour to to God seriously, sometimes it's five or six hours that I'll want to spend in God's Word. That's normally where I'm breaking down and studying the Bible. So when I think about, it, and I know that most life group leaders are going to go, I've got no time to drop five or six hours into Bible study. Often this is an off day for me, but. I really enjoy being able to dig in and look at the historical context, look at the setting. I mean, literally the good Bible study tools. What are the words? What are the takeaways? And I think sometimes for me, when we think about that, that is as as refreshing as the devotional time to be able to dig into God's word and find new truth and new insight and then to be able to take that truth and apply it to lie. So it's a balance primarily of the three we mentioned early in the podcast. It's prayer, it's the study of God's word, both devotionally and critically and daily, and then relationship with other people, being around Christ followers who encourage and hold us accountable. So that's kind of what my disciplines would look like.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's real good. Well, uh, some rich, great stuff today from... Uh, one of the best in the business, Steve Layton, and uh, talking to us today about soul care and the importance of of staying connected to God, uh, and so that we can teach and lead out of the overflow.
2: If if I could just literally set across from every life group leader, I'd say, take care of yourself, manage your time wisely, take care of your family, the people that you lead, and the people that you love. Spend time with God every day and don't beat yourself up, don't put yourself under bondage, but teach and believe and live in the freedom of Christ knowing that you're a son or daughter of the King and enjoy that relationship. And if we could help our people understand that and find that freedom, then all of a sudden every Sunday or every time we gather, it's a joyous time of coming together and saying, this is what the Father's teaching me. As we get closer to the Father, then what happens naturally? We become the leaders that God's called us to be, whether that's at home, whether that's at the workplace, whether that's at the baseball fields or the soccer fields, wherever our kids are at the schools. Man, that's my desire and dream property.